Indian movies and frumpy Amy. <laughs> all right, all right. Okay. Oh, look at you. Now we're back to your Oscar perennials. Webb just talks a bunch of trash. Frumpy, handsome, <laughs> like like you just can't let it go. I, I'm really worried about a woman in the window because I don't know how much I have to say about this. And I'm kind of upset that I had to watch it. Well, I'll bet you have something to say. I believe okay. in you. So joining us, uh, he's very excited. My co-host from Trilogy and Theory, Webb, who said, hey... If you're doing an episode on the Netflix original, which is already, you're on shaky ground already. If you're doing an episode on the woman in the window, please, please have me on. And I said, okay, you're the guy. And we've spent uh, the pre-show, if you want to call it that, uh, just being berated for, for inviting him on to see the woman in the window, which is uh, currently, uh, you know, three days into uh, release as of this recording, a solid 29% Ooh. on Rotten Tomatoes. And not even really yeah. a Netflix original, Mike. Like, like I guess it was originally 20th Century Fox, and then they showed it to a couple people, and everyone told them it was shit. So then they went back and re-edited it, and then they were going to release it again, and then the pandemic hit, so then Netflix swooped in on it. Uh, oh, yeah, we'll put it on our service for you. Don't worry about it. So they paid some nominal fee, I'm sure, and 20th Century Fox was happy to get rid of it. Like, here you go. This was never going to do well anyway. This is a safe place. I'm agoraphobic. I can't go inside. I've been slipping, getting into a really dark frame of mind. So what's the latest on the street? Your neighbor, she's become a friend. Her name is Jane Russell. Do you want to go outside? You know, I have a shrink of my own. <laughs> okay, Jane. Mr. Russell believes that you made a mistake. You have never met my wife. Ma'am, you all right? I know Jane. Jane's been in my house. I'm Jane Russell. I'm not crazy. I know what I saw. They're all hiding something. You, you will not I've never have my mother. Stop watching our house. The doctor said that your meds can cause hallucinations. I'm not hallucinating. I think there is somebody in my house. Don't go looking into other people's houses. You won't like what you see. we call this the cloverfield uh, paradox effect the dumping ground 
Well, that's the thing. It, it's giving these original films like a bad name because something like Run on Hulu, which I loved uh, because I loved searching. And again, Indian director, I was like very pleased about that. And then when I finally got to see Run, I was like, this is excellent. This is kind of what I want these originals to be. Uh, and it's frustrating to watch something like Woman in the Window and, and uh, the Cloverfield uh, Paradox. Non, just utter nonsense. Like, I don't want the original, the, the streaming services to be dumping ground for these horrible January films. What do you mean by horrible January films? <laughs> I, I have you know, sir, that uh, Best Picture winner <laughs> Nomadland was dumped on Hulu <laughs> and won an Oscar this year. <laughs> that might have been in February, but still, a dumping ground for... <laughs> Our best and our worst so far in the cinematic landscape. No response to that web. <laughs> I guess. Well, no. I, I I suppose like pre-pandemic dumping ground. Because if if this was uh, during normal times, I'm sure No Man Land would have been like that November release where everyone's trying to be thankful for things, and that's, like, the perfect... I assure you, no one would have seen it then, either. I know. I'm I'm very aware. (laughs) Very aware. Here's the thing. I actually think something like The Woman in the Window could have fooled a small sliver of the theater-going audience if it had been released. Now, I don't think the response would have been more favorable, uh, but it is interesting that, you know, Webb's favorite... Uh, Zack Snyder, who who brings all the listeners to Trilogy and Theory, uh, gets the rare Netflix, um, would you call it a pre-release, Dave? Where they, they give the theater-going public a week before it's uh, put on their streaming service? <laughs> no no such treatment for the woman in the window. So even Netflix knows, meh, just slap it on there. If someone hits the square, that's their problem. It's, it's not our fault. It feels like one of those movies that doesn't get made if Gone Girl wasn't so good. What was the other movie that came out uh, um, with Emily Blunt a couple years ago? Woman on the a Girl on the Train. Girl on the Train. Like, this is in that vein where it's kind of like trashy material. But unlike a movie like Gone Girl, they really couldn't turn it into a good movie. It just stays kind of trashy. But this one, I think, is much worse. Is there anything wrong with that, though? Like, what if they just leaned into the trashiness more? Well, that would have been better, but I I think if you do that, you don't get Amy Adams, you don't get Gary Oldman, you don't get Julianne Moore, you don't really have the the star power. But what did they think they were signing on for with this? Like, (laughs) rear window, (laughs) baby. Correct me if I'm wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I know this was a semi-successful novel but i don't feel like anyone thought that it was high art or the the you know the uh the great american novel i thought it was just beach read that people found disposable so do you all have an issue is this mainly joe Wright? is the, is the issue here his yes choices yes okay web it, it absolutely web is wants to beat up on a uh let me see is he a uh yep Yep, he's a pasty yeah. white guy. Get him, get, get him, Englishman Webb. too. <laughs> the, no, no, no. Well, here's the thing: I've seen one Joe Wright film, and that is Women in the Window, and it's terrible. So, judging by that alone, I'm like, this is not the right guy to help this film. Totally fair assessment. I love, like I love it's pod- like podcaster. He's sure. not the right guy to help this because I saw it and I didn't like it. That's a little messing with time there a little bit, Webb. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to make it high art. With this B-level material, you go with someone like Fincher, and if you really want to push it to that camp and still have it be worthwhile, you go with, like, a Brian De Palma. 
I don't know much about Joe Wright's filmography. I feel like it's a lot of like workman type stuff. Like a uh, was it Philip Noyce? Like one of those guys who was like come in. No, 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 no. He's this is like he's in pure like period piece territory. Oh, okay. Darkest Hour, oh, Pride, Pride and Prejudice, Prejudice. That's yeah. Right, that's and he right. did Hannah. So, Hannah yeah, was good too. Doing... But uh, then he did like Pan and Darkest Hour back to back, which was uh, kind of a kind of a rough period there. So, uh, it's like well, we talked about. We just I uh, mentioned girl on the train and that was directed by the guy that did like alex cross something like that and so it's like why are you getting these like i understand um like going the opposite way in terms of casting and and really kind of taking a shot but i feel like a director you have to be a bit more careful this is the person you're entrusting your entire film to uh tour theory reads it's ugly head again (laughs) who cares about actors writers anyone behind the scenes that that's not where i was going dave i love that we have web in this alternate universe earth whatever web is a studio executive and he's like Joe Wright, you really need to impress me if you want this gig for the woman in the window. You, I don't know if you... Because <laughs> the person I'm thinking of was like a, uh, I don't know, like a Roger Donaldson or something who I believe did Species. <laughs> and yep, uh, no... <laughs> which I'm always thinking of. But also, let, let me look at this. I think he did, uh, yeah, No Way Out with Kevin Costner, late 80s. That's like a workman-like... Uh, he's not a dumb American. Good said he's good. a dumb Australian, so we can keep the the international claim of uh, doing you know genre fair thrillers. Uh, the last thing he did was the November Man from 2014 with Pierce Brosnan, which I am both <laughs> proud and ashamed to say that I saw opening weekend in theaters. <laughs> Thank you, Movie Pass, during those glory days. So yeah, I mean, okay, I I don't I'm kind of mixed on this. You know, just one quick thing about oh, Movie no. Pass. I used to drive by the theater, my local theater, and I would get out and see if there's anybody in line, and if there was, I would buy a movie ticket for them if I had no plans that day. I would think you were about to, like, kill me or something, Webb. Like, I, I understand... <laughs> no, no, just... just <laughs> yep, this... Just the movie pass was... It, it, it was like the renaissance. It really was. That's how we were able to watch uh, Paper Towns and live-tweet it as I was sitting in the back of the theater... Uh, with a bunch of tweens ahead of me, just like they're having like, a way better time than I am. I feel like I remember taking you to task on Twitter for having the fucking stones to live tweet during Paper Towns, which I was like, you don't do that during fucking Paper Towns. How do, now, <laughs> this the woman in the window. Sure, I'm gonna actually come at it from a different angle. I'm a little mixed on this one. Uh, I will admit, in the first twenty twenty five minutes, I think I started this Friday night. Uh, fell asleep, or at least acknowledged, hey, I'm getting too sleepy. This doesn't really grab me. I'll finish it tomorrow. Uh, so there goes the theatrical experience there. Um, but when I picked it up again, it <laughs> obviously I wasn't engaged with the story anyway, because I'm just looking at it as some sort of odd duck where it's like I'm, you're standing back from it thinking, what, what exactly was the thought process here with the, uh, I know there was production problems where they reshot things and sort of reassembled it. I think Tony Gilroy was called in to do a, a cut on it. <laughs> Uh, I couldn't figure out why Anthony Mackie was talking to me slash Amy Adams with all yeah. these like exposition drops throughout the movie. Uh, you clearly know where that's going uh, as far as like, okay, we're going to get a revelation about this woman's family and why she's scared to go outside, why she's utterly alone. Uh, she has a creepy neighbor who <laughs> I don't think is a creep because he's from Everybody Wants Some and he seemed pleasant enough. I would just be happy to have him around. But 
you got you certainly they're trying to do they're trying to dress it up in a way they're trying to stage it in a way to make it visually interesting when it really is just a person sitting in their house staring out the window <laughs> but i also think that they take it too far in the sense of this should just be a simple creep let Amy Adams just be creepy. Let her just be maybe even a pervert. <laughs> Why are we treating this like Moulin Rouge where she's in a rocking chair, like thinking back to her conversation with Julianne Moore. She's on the phone and just, I don't know, just these, these weird little set pieces they do when it's really just someone stalking her neighbors the entire time. Is that being unfair to, I guess the craftsmanship of a director that I'm pining for the days of uh, the auteur behind species just to, perv it up a little bit just keep it <laughs> nice and simple jacuzzi alien sex all of that well i mean i think that's why this would be better if you had well this sounds cruel to this made-up director i'm talking about in my head but like someone who doesn't have a particular visual flair because it it feels like joe wright gets bored in this movie and he's like ah let me have some snow let me have some random red spots that look like blood maybe to keep you interested because he's clearly not interested in this story and honestly, this movie has a lot of problems. Uh, one of my biggest problems is, and you know my background is in mental health, so it's like the, the agoraphobia angle here is purely for show. Like, there's no there's no reason for her to have agoraphobia except for, well, we have to have some reason for her not to leave the house. Like, a physical injury works so much better in this circumstance. They do make an effort to kind of give lip service to it, but they clearly didn't do any research on what the roots of agoraphobia are. So I'm watching with this, with that in my mind, like, why are we... So So I was hoping for some big revelation that actually explained that in a real way, not in a way that could be any trauma, any bad experience. So that feels kind of gross to me that that you're using mental health in this way as this like oddity as like plot device, as opposed to something to investigate something they use for character reasons, because they never really go there. And with this cast, you have so many opportunities because this, this is a great cast. If you just look at that cast list, I was like, how could this possibly be bad? And then Joe Wright showed me how it could possibly be bad for like two hours. Her performance is fine. It's, it's good. It's it's Amy Adams. It's kind of hard to go wrong, but... Except for the uh, costume design. Well, yes. yes. It's just moo-moo on top of yeah. moo-moo. Yeah. Like, when I called out that to my wife, she was like, hey, she's just in her home. She's trying to be comfortable. And then when she added the second layer <laughs> yes. of a moo-moo on top, then she's like, okay, okay. we're going too far. <laughs> okay. Yes. But I think she's pretty hamstrung by a pretty terrible script here. There are things that her character does that I'm like, uh, I'm not sure she should even let that kid in the door. Like... Okay, if she has agoraphobia bad enough that she's seen a counselor two to three times a week, that's probably not going to ever happen. Because the idea of agoraphobia, to kind of boil it down as simply as possible, is because of some terrible thing that happened, you view as everything out in the world is dangerous, right? So you don't want to put yourself in that position. If you do, you have something akin to a pretty severe panic attack, right? But that trauma is not just any trauma. It usually applies to the idea of the world being dangerous. And without giving anything away, the trauma that she endured is not that kind of trauma. It's a relatively easily explainable trauma. A mistake was made, and you kind of see what that mistake is. As opposed to a trauma where something was completely out of your control, right? A lot of times it happens in that time period between childhood and adulthood and involves losing a parent, because your brain kind of can't process why that happened, especially if you lose a parent in a particular kind of way. 
then the world is very dangerous and you're not sure how to interact with it anymore. And they don't take a look at any of that. It feels like they read the Wikipedia entry for agoraphobia and saw the word trauma and said, okay, that's all we need. We're good. We can just lock her in this house. But then she's like making these decisions, like letting this creepy kid from across the street inside her house and even like having a tenant. Like, what are you? Because in agoraphobia, the general idea is you don't really like the outside world to come in in any way. So then you're inviting the dangers of the outside world in your house on a daily basis, which doesn't make a lot of sense with that disorder. So the whole movie, I was just like, oh, you're not going to do anything with this. You just want to use a scary, weird name so people who don't have any experience with mental health will be like, oh yeah, she must be really crazy. I've never heard of agoraphobia. And that's essentially what the movie does. I mean, external stuff always is affecting uh, her entire story. Like, she's never just really alone. And you never Mm -hmm. feel any sense of isolation at all. Look at something like I Am Legend, where you just have one very charismatic lead. And you can go stretches with just him and a dog, and it's wonderful. She's just not given the opportunity to have any of those moments. Constant, constant interruptions. The, The plot is super hackneyed. The script, it doesn't even know where, like, what films to copy at some point. This film is so bad, it got me questioning a lot of things. Like, are these actors bad actors? <laughs> no, um, no, come is, on. <laughs> is the entire premise bad? I was like, and so I immediately after this was done, <laughs> I watched Disturbia, and I was like, holy shit, I think this is a bad premise. I think Rear Window's a bad film. And then after Disturbia, I went the I went the extra step and I watched Rear Window, and I'm like, oh no, that's trash. The, the premise is just fine. <laughs> This this is how you do it. Well, there's there, there's a certain stillness, obviously, to Rear Window, where yeah. they even allow the character to drift off to sleep. Yes, uh, when you know he's he's you know I, I won't say Jimmy Stewart's being the ultimate pervert um, because he's actually uh, um, his refusal of Grace Kelly quite often is probably what the most disturbing to me uh, multiple times. So um, he's not a pervert of my ilk. But yeah, when he's eavesdropping on the newlyweds, you know, he just kind of has like a smirk on his face, like, oh, you know, young kids, isn't that that fun? And then what's going on with the neighbor and the dog and lonely hearts and all that? And one of my favorite moments is when he does uh, fall asleep and he wakes up again and then, you know, nothing's going on. Then he wakes up again. They they allow you to (laughs) to not have, as Webb's saying, constant interruptions, even though that is also a character who really can't move. So anyone that he interacts with, it's going to be somewhat forced upon him. Uh, here though, I'm with Dave. I, I didn't, I was thrown off. I didn't really care so much about the agoraphobia. I think it's totally unnecessary in the sense that right, she can leave her house or not. Like what difference does it make? Like in, in the, in the context of the film, if she's creeped out by her neighbors, maybe she just becomes really fucking curious about them. Maybe she just wants to know <laughs> if she's in danger based on who lives <laughs> in close proximity to her. Uh, and it's not, as Webb said, the, isolation they're trying to enforce on this character because people are more than willing to come hang out with this total freak with her garment upon garment her layers and multiple layers that she has on i just <laughs> i want i want to see amy adams sweat just drenched in sweat she goes <laughs> up and down her huge <laughs> brownstone <laughs> i do i do really admire the chutzpah behind gary oldman playing a pretty obvious domestic abuser given the fact that he's been accused of this twice in his life and admitted to it once and then going to play a role where he's going to be like yeah yeah i'll slap some people around is he though in this movie 
I mean, he tapped his kid. He beats up that kid. Yeah. yeah. Did you see <laughs> the Joe kid? Wright's like, go method. He's like, no is, problem. Is this kid like, is the kid like 35 playing 15? I could not get an age on this kid. Yes, yes. I think it's supposed to be like high school age. It's nope. not convincing. And also, that was a big leap for me in this movie. Like, like I'm supposed to, I think we're supposed to find him endearing in that opening scene. But he's just so obnoxious and so weird that I'm like, I'm not even agoraphobic, but get this fucking freak out of my house. Like, I need to be alone. I don't want you anywhere near me. And the fact that she's a psychologist and it seems to be unable to read the room that she's in, like, uh, come on. Like, this is this is part of your job, to look for red flags and read these signals. Like, read body language or vocal tics. Like, it should be slapped. Like you should That's what you're saying. Maybe not know exactly what's wrong with this kid, but that there's, there's something off and he should not be in your home. Especially when you're supposedly... <laughs> there you go. Especially when you're this person who's like, no, I can't have visitors. I can't have anyone around me. But this kid, sure, come on in. Like, stop it. So that was a big problem for me. And I think if you don't buy that beginning, then nothing from that point on really makes sense or really even matters. Well, the movie is uh, challenging you to to not buy anything. Like, the, the, the acting style, the way the, mm-hmm. the film is shot... Um, the way they cut in and out of scenes, I felt like, and yet again, I don't know if that goes to the, the poor test screenings and why this ended up going to modern straight to video with Netflix. Uh, even just some of the back and forth, like a two hander moment between Amy Adams and Julianne Moore, which I should really look forward to. It feels awkward. Like I'm thinking, did they cut around and out yeah. of things? Like I can't. I can't really get a sense. It feels of, like they did. I guess yeah. the, like the beats of the scene. Um, and I don't know if stylistically Riot thought not only is maybe that could be a savior for what you know wasn't working out, but does that amp up the the tension? And it does not because <laughs> I can't even I can't get a good sense of like who I'm supposed <laughs> to be afraid of. Everyone here just comes across as incredibly abrasive, which when you mix that with a cast that I think is for the most part gonna be generally looked upon as like, wow, you, you put all these people together. I look forward to seeing Oldman, Mackie, Julianne Moore, Amy Adams, whomever. And yet it's scene upon scene where you want them to go away or to stop talking so loudly at me or at Amy Adams. Uh, I, I just couldn't, uh, I couldn't really commit to the general, I guess, fun of this type of genre, which is, oh, I wonder, like, I think that person did it. Or I think this person's lying or this person's responsible. They all come across as so alien that I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also, also, not only I don't know, but I don't care. There's no character that you're really drawn to and connected to, like that you're rooting for or even hoping that they're not the person that's behind this. And this includes Amy Adams, like everyone in here. And I would argue that that scene that you talked about with her and Julianne Moore, it's sadly the best scene in the movie. And it's not very good. And that just really tells you about the rest of the movie more than anything else. Even though, like, big things happen, like, it is that kind of movie where you know there's going to be some violence or a chase. And yet, after the first 20 to 30 minutes, like, I'm watching it, but I'm just not engaged with it at all. I'm like, I just want this to be over. Like, I don't care if she's right or wrong. I don't care. I don't even really care what happened to her family by the end of the movie. Yeah, you find out some stuff and you're like, all right, cool. Can we move on to the next part of this ridiculous plot so we can finish this off? Because I've been done with this movie for for about an hour. That scene that you brought up, Mike, is absolutely. I, I don't. I don't want to say it's the best scene. I don't want to give any 
aspect of this film best anything but it's not good but it's right. better than yes but it's a great example of what i think the problem is and i hate to say it, but it, it's it's tracy let's script and i he should have his pulitzer prize revoked because it, it seemed like those two actresses were given two different scripts and told to play it two different ways and it was just it's a bizarre film and I think there's like eight minutes of credits, and I was like, thank God, it's not as long as I thought it was. Stopped watching immediately. <laughs> it's only it's only an hour and 32. <laughs> Let's just knock this out. Yes, the, uh, agreed. The quote uh, here, the splat uh, that I wanted to use uh, is from uh, David Fear of Rolling Stone. Uh, and I think you all have already alluded to this uh, when we were talking about the uh, problems with having Joe Wright, who Webb has now written off completely based on this one film. He's taking <laughs> away uh, Tracy Letts awards. Uh, he's probably looking up now to see what other prizes <laughs> he's won so he can remove those as well. Uh, David Fear of Rolling Stone says, you go in with high expectations about what this talent can do with batshit pulp fiction mm-hmm. you leave feeling like you owe brian de palma a thousand apologies <laughs> pretty, good. pretty good splat yeah not bad not bad at all yes i just like this movie is so disappointing to me not because i thought it was going to be good i'd kind of heard about it over the last couple of years it's kind of like ooh, this is pretty questionable this is not going to be great but given the amount of talent here there's there's always a few movies each and every year that like the general moving pub movie going public is like this is some bullshit and I'm like you know what I kind of dug this it's not the best movie of the year but there's some good stuff here that's what I was kind of hoping for given this like cavalcade of great actors involved in this and man it's like well let, let me ask you something Dave this seems to be uh, universally reviled yeah. at least on this opening weekend. Uh, opening weekend sadness, as some of our our listeners call this segment. I think Webb probably is going to vote yes. Uh, change the title to sadness. Shit, change the show to um, on screen death. That's what it felt one... like for everybody. Easy. All right, settle down, settle down, Webb. <laughs> Do you feel though that with this being such an an odd bird. Oh yeah. That 10 years from now, they're going to be the, the apologists who come out and say, no, no, no. People missed the mark on this one. It's a cult classic. Now it's, it's, it's trash, but people didn't yeah. get it. Cause it has enough of those stylistic tendencies to go off the beaten path. And within the same scene, it goes in different directions that I could see people coming up to a hundred, a hundred percent. This is going to get one of those like fucking scream factory releases because they're like, actually, Waterworld is good. Hey, hey, you know, hey, hold up. It's like one of Waterworld those... is one of our most successful episodes. So yes, it actually is good. The it's better than it this. Now. It's better than this. But I'm already seeing it now. Like it's this weird back backlash thing where people are like, actually, you're missing the whole thing. This is actually really great, and here's why. And I read their articles, and I'm like, no, that's incorrect. You're wrong. This is a bad movie. It'll it'll be seen as an oddity, not because it's so weird, but again, because of that cast. Like, this is going to be one of those, like, actually, this is one of Adams' best performances in the last 10 years. And there'll, there'll be, like, nine people that really get behind this. I was also thinking about, like, you're on a pretty bad run here with actresses you really like and watching their work on here. And you're what? Oh, for three now. Mm-hmm. It makes me sad for these, yeah. like these three really great actresses, and they're ending up in these terrible films. And given the way Hollywood works, 
if a guy does terrible films, if an actor does terrible films, I mean, look at Gary Oldman. He's done a lot of bad films in the last five or ten years, and everyone's still like, oh, Gary Oldman is one of the best actors working today. And actresses don't generally get that leeway. So I'm legitimately concerned after this and, oh, what was the movie that she and Glenn Close did last year? Uh, oh, oh, the movie everyone made fun of. The Hillbilly movie. Uh, yeah, Hillbilly Elegy. And Amy Adams is legitimately bad in Hillbilly Elegy. It's a rough Wait, watch. Wait, that was Netflix too, She's right? not... Eventually, was that dumb? Well, there you go, Dave. No one even knows they exist. Uh, except for those those damn Oscars. They had to give Glenn Close her, her fucking ass-shaking moment. Uh, to, <laughs> that's the way to pull in the demos. <laughs> and I don't know what Amy Adams has coming up next, but I just hope it's something really good so we can get the taste of these out. Because it's been a rough go the last three years for Amy Adams. I believe movies. you're... Uh, Forgetting the uh, uh, colossal hit on HBO Max, uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. So, what about that, Dave? I gotta hang up. I spent two hours already talking about that fucking movie with you on another podcast. That was Max, that was a that was a no win more. for me. And she's barely in it. She's barely in it. No matter how crappy a film is at the time of release, the the internet being what it is, and because a company like Netflix has such a large reach. There's going to be an audience for it. It's going to become a cult classic uh, because there's just enough people in this world who like want this exact schlock uh, in this exact way. I mean, come on. Boyhood is considered one of the best films of all time. Anything Stop is possible. It. Stop it. I can always count on Webb to make me like more middle of the road. Webb will just come after people. Like, like there's idiots out here that like this bullshit. Like, good lord. And then throwing Boyhood under the bus? Come on, man. Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to be the positive one on this show. Uh, strangely, as usual, uh, Amy Adams and Julian Moore, both, I think they're going to be fine, uh, are coming up in September, uh, the film adaptation of the musical Dear Evan Hansen. So both of them back in. I assume more people see that. Uh, she's doing a miniseries with Adam McKay called Kings of America, which I believe it looks like it's about like the Walmart uh, family, the the heirs to the uh, the fortune um, so I'm sure Adam McKay will uh, chide us all about particip our participation in capitalism, uh, which is what we all need, <laughs> a rich guy <laughs> to point fingers at us. Yes. <laughs> and uh, it looks like she's probably been roped into some sort of Disney Plus exclusive, uh, the long-anticipated sequel to Enchanted? Disenchanted? Does that, any of this please you, Dave? No? I she mean, also has something. Uh, Here's one more thing. One more thing. This one will please you before you rant about Disney Plus, Adam McKay, <laughs> no. uh, whatever. Uh, there's no information on this. <laughs> In fact, the only credit associated with it is Amy Adams. There's no director, okay. no writer, no plot summary, <laughs> just a title and Amy Adams called Night Bitch. One, oh, one here word. we go. Night Bitch. Yes. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Um, that <laughs> Directed sounds by great. Joe Wright to be announced tomorrow, probably. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that sounds great for me, but I'm very shocked to hear you even mildly positive about a musical ever. So I think we have uh, broken new like ground here. Pitch perfect. You know, know it's him. interesting. None of those feel like the kind of upper level type roles that she had been doing there for a while. So it'll be interesting to see where her career goes from here. But, like, to be fair, she has had a lot of success in that <laughs> miniseries realm, though. Hold on. What? <laughs> We're we're talking about uh, you know our own accolades are like hey people might have liked dozens of people liked our Waterworld episode and you're saying Amy Adams does not have an impressive production lineup coming for you. <laughs> 
To be fair, she has done really well in miniseries stuff, like Sharp Objects, right? Got a lot of really good press, so hopefully her, you know, Walmart Fortune miniseries will be good, I guess. Uh, and Enchanted was cute. Cute movie, so I'm sure that'll be enjoyable in Disney+. Plus. There. There, I said something nice about Disney+. Plus. Well, you know, she doesn't have anything to prove. She can be in... Uh, you know, uh, a woman in the corner. What is this movie called? Woman in the yes. window two. And woman you in know, the corner. And four. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. She can be in in crap for the rest of her career, and it's really not going to uh, affect me or her in any way. To be completely honest with you, I don't think she has anything to prove. I don't know if she has an Academy Award yet. I don't think so. But she's nope. done stellar work for so long. It's I I, I don't see uh, her having that like Nick Cage level dive. So, well, I mean, all right. Spoken like I'll be a negative man. here. Uh, Just assuming uh, women it don't be get fine. that Nick Cage like dive because they're not allowed to act past forty five. So <laughs> that's that's exactly. Why. Um, I you know what? This has been a bad promotional tour for Webb for Trilogy Theory because he usually comes on so positive, and he he came yeah. onto this episode <laughs> saying, "What is this called? The woman in the corner? What am I talking about on this podcast?" <laughs> So, if you want to listen to a completely I, I, different take of Webb, he actually is the host of the show. He has his notes in front of him. This time, he's an addled old man who doesn't know what square he clicked on. <laughs> Did you watch this one with your wife at all, or was this totally a solo Me? show? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Uh, no, totally solo. I Did you think he was asking if I watched it with my <laughs> wife? Dave was divorced, by the <laughs> that way, Webb. awkward. Uh, I don't know if you're up on current events there, buddy, but... That wouldn't have happened. <laughs> no, I did not subject my wife to this. Um, Maybe if you are divorced, you do say, "Hey, X, let's let's do a Zoom watch of the woman in the corner. It'll you're be great." Love it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had one screen, the, the movie on one screen, the other screen. I had like my notes app up, just go. You know, I, I want to come to every show a little prepared, and then I think ten. I minutes, hope to God you did not. Ten minutes based in, on the what you offered this this recording. I hope you didn't have pages. I of did notes. not. <laughs> did your notes include the title? <laughs> ten minutes in, I stopped writing, and then I think about uh, uh, five minutes into our conversation, I deleted the note, and that's why I couldn't remember the title of the fucking movie. <laughs> Uh, come to listen uh, on Trilogy Theory. We're both so prepared over there <laughs> when we talk about our uh, selected uh, three movies each month. And uh, currently, I don't think we're doing any sort of um, women in peril necessarily type movies like this. Uh, this month, the month of May, we're doing sort of women uh, usually putting other people in peril, I would say. I think that's safe to say, well, because there's still thriller aspects of it, but uh, yeah, they're not the ones being chased down. They're the ones who are sending assassins out to, uh, to tackle other people. And uh, yeah, so check out uh, our show, Trilogy in Theory, and uh, Webb will have copious notes that he doesn't delete five minutes <laughs> <in the> podcast. <laughs> <laughs>